Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast presented by the Runner Report. And like I say every single week, but I really mean it this week. I really do. We got a special podcast we have one of the biggest the best power couples coming on and honestly like i want to thank every guys for the support that we've been getting over these past couple months because it's the reason we're able to bring you interviews like this these power couples last week we had three people on the podcast and the next coming weeks we're gonna have even bigger and better things on the runner report for you guys to see and listen to but let's just get right into it the brother from the same mother aaron potts super hot potts how you doing bro Dude, you know I'm always doing good on Two Black Tuesday, but uh-huh. I'm especially hyped for this podcast because for the first time, we're interviewing American Distance Running Power Couple. We're interviewing the the best love story you guys are going to hear in distance running. So sit back, relax, get your popcorn ready. I think you're really going to love this one. And to be honest, these people, they need no introduction, but I'll do like a little one. We got American Distance Royalty, the Halls, Ryan and Sarah Hall. The Honestly, this is like the most prestigious I feel like we've had on the podcast. Most most prestigious. How are you guys doing? Really How are you guys is, doing? Though. We're great. We're great. Thank you for having us on. It's a huge honor. Yeah. And what's that? We know in the world right now, it's crazy times, um, but we're happy to have you guys on. How's everything been dealing with with COVID and everything coming off of that? I was just I actually just saw you. I was in Atlanta for the Olympic trials. I saw Ryan out on his, out on his bike coaching, getting getting Sarah, getting you ready for the race and everything. But how's life been just in general handling all that? Yeah, it's been a, kind of a rough time, at, especially at first, just trying to find our new normal and. Um, you know, the kids are out for spring break and then they just never went back to school and um, figuring out the <laughs> online school stuff is always challenging. And um, yeah. and then, like from a running perspective, just I had kind of, you know, the marathon trials are obviously a massive disappointment, but I had kind of turned my attention to the track trials and was really gearing up for those. And then those got canceled and all the races you're planning to do just progressively just canceled, canceled, canceled. And and you couldn't travel anywhere as a family, which like usually if we don't, we're not racing, it's like we want to go on vacation or we want to get out from our home. Yeah. But it's kind of like the one time you can't do that. So, so yeah, a lot of disappointments and challenges. But I feel like we're finding our groove now, and some race opportunities are opening up. So things are looking up. To expand more on just like now your kids being at home like all the time and now school is starting about to start back up. Like, how has that just been dealing around the house? Have you guys had to become teachers a little bit at times or how's everything? Yeah, it's it's been, uh, you know, a combo, you know, where we're kind of like stepping more into the like teaching kind of role, especially at first. But honestly, like our kids are so amazing and really smart and they're, uh, you know, they're they're off and running with online school and they're getting used to it now. And um, we're kind of just settling into a nice groove, you know, but it, it was certainly it's always hard whenever you shift into like you're used to one thing and then you shift into something that's totally new. You know, you, you change into a different season Absolutely. of life and it, there's always a little bit of a struggle there. But I always remind myself like, 
struggle always creates opportunity. You know, there's, there's opportunity in every struggle. And so like in this COVID season, whether it's training or different lifestyle, not being able to travel around, having the kids home 24 seven, like there's always opportunity in the midst of kind of that quote unquote struggle. So I'm always looking for, you know, how can we kind of capitalize on this unique season that we find ourselves in? Yeah. And it's, we, we talk about that a lot on this podcast. Whenever you're having any type of trouble in life, don't focus on what you can't do, but focus on what you can do. And mm-hmm. I think too, with you two, a lot of people know a lot about you guys. You, like Joshua said, American distance, like royalty, but me and Joshua are curious, like Sarah, you go first, describe Ryan to us. And then Ryan describe, describe Sarah. All right. Well, Ryan is, he's uh, very extreme. He's like a pendulum. So he's like all in on whatever he's doing but that pendulum could like swing completely the other direction and he's going to be like all in on whatever that is and totally off on that thing. So, you know, you saw that with marathon running in his career, he was so dialed in with those goals. But once he was, he was done with that, it was like that extremeness got put into like weightlifting at times. It got definitely poured into um, the adoption process of our kids and going after that with the same intensity that he went after his running and um, so yeah he's he's has different fads at times and he's like really into them but then it might might change uh, but yeah and he's also a dreamer you know he's he's definitely like really visionary and really uh, with whatever he's doing like he yeah he doesn't you just can't be like normal with anything pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely uh, a sign of just why he became such an elite athlete and had success in that. Being someone that is not normal is definitely something that you need to be, to get to a high enough level. And then for the same thing for you, Ryan, like, could you describe Sarah for us? Yeah, totally. Um, I think what comes to mind first, and I think it's Sarah, is just like her zest and zeal for life is kind of like unlike anyone I've ever met before, you know, like she wants every moment of life to count and she is um, just a lover of life and a lover of God and a lover of people. That's kind of how I think of Sarah when I think of her. And, uh, and she also just leaves no stone unturned, you know, like she's she's gonna be the very best at whatever she decides to sink her teeth into, you know? So um, a little bit different than me, like I'll pour myself into something, but like like in the college recruiting process, like I might look at like three or four colleges, whereas Sarah's like, I gotta like, I gotta investigate and like check out like 30 different colleges, you know? Like she, she just like needs to like explore every option and push on every door. And, um, and I admire that about her, you know? Um, and then she's just like very adventurous as well like she has a hard time staying home this COVID season i think has been stretching her but she's handled it super well you know we've been home for a long time now and haven't traveled internationally in forever and uh she's kind of getting used to that but she's definitely like she needs wings you know like whatever animal she'd be if she was an animal it'd be it would have wings for sure because she has a hard time staying home more than like two weeks so she's an adventurer as well an international traveler and just has like a huge heart to like help people and love people um especially like those who don't have the same opportunities that you know we've had um we've grown up in very kind of privileged situation and she realizes that um not everyone has that and so she's very much about 
um, helping those who aren't in that same circumstance and um, just loving on people um, all over the world. So, yeah, that's there. Man, we're already we're only five minutes into this podcast, and you guys are already touching my heart. Gold <laughs> for sure, gold for sure. But also, also wanted to talk about that. Like you said, like you said, Ryan, Sarah's been handling this well, even though we haven't. Like everyone hasn't been able to do what we want, and we talked briefly about not focusing on what you can't do, but what you can. And recently, Sarah just killed it, and her time trial ran sixty-eight seventeen. How did how did that come to be? How did you guys set up that time trial and everything? Yeah, um, I have to give a lot of credit to our friend Ian Dobson, who's the um, race director at the Eugene Marathon, because it was his idea, and he kind of reached out and was like, "Hey, um, what do you guys think about doing something here in Eugene? You know, our marathon got canceled, and but we could have like like an opportunity for a for sure race for you and and give us something to kind of rally around as a um, a race organization. And, uh, and so we were like, yeah, let's do it. And so we kind of just started dreaming a little bit from there and, and seeing what the options were. Obviously with COVID, you had to make sure it was somewhere remote and somewhere that there wouldn't be spectators and, and follow all the rules of getting COVID tests and everything. So it was, it was definitely some logistics, but they're a great organization and they were able to do it with real excellence. And, um, and, and so I felt so lucky to be able to come out here and, and get to race for the first time in over five months, which is pretty crazy that that much time, yeah. that's like the longest I've yeah. probably ever gone without racing. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was, um, it, yeah, a great opportunity. It was a, it was pretty fast course, um, beautiful location, had some great guys helping me out with the pace, Eric and Jared out there, um, which I'm so thankful they're willing to help me and, um, and so, yeah, to be able to PR by over 40 seconds, just kind of in a non-race situation was pretty encouraging. I just wanted to make sure all of our listeners know she ran 68.17. So that's the number six fastest American, uh, half marathon time ever. So big deal, big deal, but go ahead, Joshua. <laughs> and that's just crazy. And I feel like amazing grit because you see a lot of the time trials that are going on right now in track and field. It's like the highest that we've seen is like, uh, like, like a, is, is like a 5k. That's the highest that we've seen and to go out and do a half marathon time trial right now. is just amazing grit and definitely shows like where, where you at definitely just like fit wise, but the mindset that you had to go into this race. And I want to ask you about that. Cause I feel like it definitely, at least for me, I run the, I run, I run the 800. So to go in for a time trial of the half marathon and like in a time like this during COVID, what's really, how, how would you go into this race? What did it feel like a normal half marathon mindset wise, or how was that really just going in? Like, I still have to do this 13.1. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was really different experience than my last half marathon, which was my PR in, in Houston. Um, and that was, Mm -hmm. uh, in mid January and pretty much couldn't be more opposite than this where like I had a lot of the trials contenders in there. So that was exciting to kind of like, uh, have a little, like test my fitness against them, um, before the trials. And, and then there's just great crowd out there. There's like great packs of, people. Um, I was, I was, uh, running with some guys in the first half and then caught up to the lead women's pack. And, 
ended up running with them the rest of the race. And it was like surging and, and just like competing out there, you know, like I wasn't focused on my yeah. time. I was just kind of just competing against them and trying to place as high as possible. So this was totally different where, uh, you know, these guys were going to go my pace and I was having to figure out like what that should be. And I'd never really run the course and didn't really know what I could bring mentally and physically like in that situation. Cause I know I'm like a competitor and like when I'm racing, I, I trust myself, but I was getting a little nervous before this. Like, I don't know if I can run like race type paces in this kind of like situation. So, um, so I tried to like yeah. make it as race like as possible, like wearing my uniform and kind of going through all those motions to get your body to click into that muscle memory of like, okay, it's like go time. This is like what we do when we race, you know? And I think that that probably helped, but, um, but I, but yeah, I mean, it was different out there. You know, there's no one, no spectators and only a few race organizers out there. Um, so it felt like kind of like a really important workout. And, and I think I love to run fast in training. So like I basically get like one week, two times in a year to like go to sea level. And when I do, I, I just like get so excited to go out and like rip my workouts and like run a lot faster than I can run yeah. at altitude. And so I tried to just have that kind of mentality of like, yay, you get to be at sea level. It's like nice weather. Like let's go rip something today and, and try to have that like posture of like being excited to lean into the hard effort, knowing it was going to hurt, knowing it was going to feel long and stuff. Um, but try to have more of an excitement for it than like, than like an uncertainty of what I could do. And Ryan, how was it, uh, coaching in that element as a coach? Like what was, what was your mindset? What were some of the things that uh, you were trying to tell Sarah before going into the time trial? Yeah. Oh man. Well, first off, I was just excited. I woke up at three 30 in the morning. So we had a super early start and, uh, I just woke up excited. I was like, Oh man, we get to do this, you know? So, I just like to encourage people with that to start like like the day will come when the races come back and we're all out there getting up super early in the morning for our races or you know getting back on the track like like the day's coming when people get to race like so it was really cool to be back and um just made me super grateful to get to go out and get to watch Sarah race again you know like so easy to take running and racing yeah. for granted sometimes and this is just kind of like a big wake-up call for me and i think everyone to just be like man we get to do this we get to do life and we get to go to running we get to go to races so that was cool and then you know i was on the bike behind sarah and i got to you know zip around on the not on the course but you know off on the side of the course and cheer for her and i was giving her splits at every k so like i said um you know there is opportunity in every new situation we find ourselves in so this was kind of nice that i was able to like get out on the course more because there wasn't much of spectators i'm having to you know weave through on the off off the course on the side and i could be yeah. there and be yelling at her and i'm um, giving her splits and i was getting excited out there watching her you know the first the first half of the race i try to like control my cheering so it's not too like exuberant and i'm trying to keep her kind of like mellow mm -hmm. controlled feeling good and then uh, she made the turn at halfway and she was on pace to run about right around 68.30, maybe a little bit uh, slower than that. And then she just started rolling on the way back, dropping some five minute miles. And then my, my crazy voice, my crazy cheering voice came out and I was just going crazy. I think they're going to make a YouTube video of it. Um, Eugene Marathon is so keep your eye <laughs> out for that. And uh, you'll, you'll see me and my crazy voice coming out. I was, I was 
screaming like crazy. I was sweating like crazy. By the time she finished, I think I was more tired than she was. Um, just screaming my lungs out, biking all over the place, giving her splits and just trying to bring, like Sarah said, there were, you know, there's no energy out there on the course at that time of day, no one else out there. So I was trying to bring all the energy yeah. I could to try and, you know, will her to the finish line. And that's the cool thing about coaching Sarah is that I know exactly what she's going through. I know exactly what sensation she's feeling in those moments. And, uh, you know, like I want her to succeed more than I want myself to succeed. So, um, that comes out in my cheering. I um, just can't like, can't hold it back. And, and I try and will her to the finish line as quickly as possible, you know, cause I know that's what she wants. I feel that me and, uh, me and Joshua, we have three other brothers. We all grew up running track and stuff. And our dad was already the leader with being the, the loud cheer. So like, we're the guys. We go crazy. Yeah. Like whenever you see someone you really like, you love, like especially family racing, that is like the best part. Cause you want them to do like so good. And you're just like, you look, you cheering as hard as they're racing. And you know, Across they country, can- Across country, I'm like, the one cheerleader. That's cool. You got to, you got to, you got to. <laughs> nice. We also wanted to talk about, talk about um, that, the beginning you? stages of running. How you guys, how you guys we're all, we're all boys. So our mom was trying to trying to get a girl four boys and my mom has three brothers and my dad has three brothers. So yeah, we got a whole bunch of guys in our family. A lot of men. The opposite of us. We're all girls over here. (laughs) I I think some one of us is going to end up with a bunch of girls though. Someone is going to end up with a bunch of girls to pay back. That's great. But I also wanted to just go into like a little bit of your guys' when you guys first fell in love with running in those early stages, but even before that, like who in your life would you say like inspired you and impacted you um, as a young as as a young person? Yeah, for me, um, uh, I always played like team sports, soccer, and basketball growing up, but I knew I had speed from from those and decided to go out for cross country before my um, seventh grade year and train started training for it. And um, I just loved like having some freedom at the age of 13 to explore the trails. And um, I was just naturally always like really driven and competitive. And so I would try to like run the same loop faster every day. And, um, and I, it was really my seventh grade teacher that really leaned into me um, as a runner and, uh, he was my first period of class and the, the class would be like reading something or writing about something. And he would like sneak me like a runner's world article or something and be like, check this out. Or like, <laughs> he really like saw my, he was also the cross country coach and, um, and he really saw my potential really early and he saw my drive, like, like we'd be doing hill sprints as a team and he'd be like, the record is like 25. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm breaking that, you know, and just like keep going. And, um, yeah. And so he, he just really saw that. And he was like, um, he's like, I know you really love soccer, but like, like near the end of junior high, like, I think you could be really good at running and, and really encouraged me to really focus on running. And, um, and so that was really pivotal as well as just like, you know, having someone, your parents always believe in you and cheer you on, but having someone on that was like outside that really, um, thought you were special and like thought you could do something special was like really meaningful. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into it. And then, um, one 
the California State Cross Country Championship and the mile and two miles of freshman in high school. And uh, as you guys know, in California, it's like all divisions together there. It's like pretty tough to like win state. So yeah, high bar. Oh, and then for you, Ryan, what was like, who was that person that really impacted you uh, early on in life? Then how did you get into running? Yeah. So my dad was always a huge influence in my life and my family was super tight. You know, I was in the middle of five kids and uh, our family is really close. But my dad was always a huge influence to me. He uh, was a baseball player. He played at Pepperdine. He was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he didn't go and play in the majors, but um, I was always just like sports mad, you know, super into watching baseball on television, football, basketball. And I actually wanted to play professional baseball. That was kind of my thing. So I remember, I think my favorite baseball player growing up was King Griffey Jr. I used to love just watching him play and I'd picture myself, you know, playing, playing out in the major leagues. But the problem was I was five foot tall and a hundred pounds going into high school. So that's not the ideal frame for baseball, basketball, or football, it turns out. So uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, I could run and I, I like to run like I could I broke the school record um, in the mile in middle school, even though like I hated to run. I just like did it. But whatever I do, I do it hard, you know, so even if I don't like something, I'll still do it hard. And so then, uh, you know, one day I was going down to a basketball game and I was going to sit the bench because, like I said, I was five foot tall and 100 pounds. I wasn't seeing a lot of playing time. And uh, I was looking out over the, the lake and I felt like God just kind of planted this little seed of a desire to try and run around the lake which was really weird for me because, like I said, I hated running. I had zero desire to do it usually. Um, but something about that moment, God just kind of like, he knew how to get to me, you know, and um, planted that seed. And I'm glad that I acted on it and went home. I told my dad what I wanted to do. And I'm um, so grateful he didn't gun me down like I'd probably do with my daughters. You know, if my daughters came up to me when they're 13, like, hey, I want to go run 15 miles around the lake. I'd be like, oh, let's start with like two or three miles, right. you know. But my dad didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, we laced up our running shoes together and went for a very long, super slow, super painful run around the lake. And I remember stumbling through the front door like hours later and just like so beat up, so tired, so famished. And I always tell people like, if you want to hear God speak, like just get yourself super physically exhausted and then lay on the couch. <laughs> and uh, I feel like God can get a hold of me <laughs> anyway. It's a lot easier when I'm in that. So uh, in that moment, I felt like God again was kind of telling me like, Hey, I've given you like a gift to run with the best guys in the world, but I gave you that gift so you can help other people and love other people. And uh, that, that was the launching point for me. You know, that, that turned into a 20 year journey of me um, trying to cultivate the talent that God had put in me, trying to get it out of me. And then also trying to figure out how can I use my talent? Um, not just for my own personal satisfaction, enjoyment, but also to help other people. And um, it's been quite a, quite a ride and a beautiful season of life that I got to experience I'm doing that. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And back to Sarah, you were saying like your freshman year, you win, you win state, um, in the 32 in California, which is very tough to do. Is that when you started to believe like, wow, like I, I have some talent and I have a future in this thing? Yeah, I think, um, that was probably, yeah, winning cross country in the mile two mile. And actually, um, in cross country, I, I made the Foot Locker Nationals, which was kind of a fluke. Like I was going to run the freshman race because I didn't know anything about like Foot Locker. And then someone was like, wow, you should run the seated race. And I was like, what's that? You know? And like, so I ended up running the seated race. <laughs> and wild. then um, it was, I ended up like in a photo finish getting the last spot 
going to the nationals. And that was like a real pivotal moment for my career. Cause footlocker, you know, it was, it was before when we only had one national championship in high school. Um, and it, yeah. it felt like the Olympics, like, it was just, I was like, I want to run, win this race one day. Like when I was there, I was like, I ended up getting 10th, but uh, it, had, it had like lit some fire in me. And, and I wouldn't have even, you know, it's sometimes you have to be able to like see it to really believe for something and, and actually be there. So, um, so yeah, that was a big moment. Um, but, but really, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do this professionally. I, I always dreamed of doing like missions and development work internationally and helping, um, people that are just living in extreme poverty. Um, and I'd kind of been on some trips at a young age and seen poverty outside the U S borders and, um, and wanted to do something about that. And so that was always my vision, but, um, but towards the end of Stanford, you know, it was an opportunity to run professionally. And, uh, just after praying about it, like I felt like, um, God was like, you can do more through your running for these causes that you care about than you can with like, your two hands doing it in person, you know? And, um, and that's really come to be the case of starting the Hall Steps Foundation, our charity and what we've been able to do through that. And, uh, and also just here I am like 15, over 15 years later, still doing this sport and like loving it the most I ever have, um, 15 years professionally. And I would have never thought like I would have done this as a pro for 15 years. So that's been, that's been pretty wild, but I guess it's a good reminder, like, to just have an open mind of like how your dreams could actually play out, you know, like uh, you might be still investing yeah. in these things you care about, but it might look different than you originally envisioned. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. Just the fact how you said that, like you running was the opportunity and really opened the door for like your first dream. Like you had the second dream of kind of like running, but running was able to open the door to help people in poverty in the missions. And I, I feel like that's something that you're probably going to continue to do after running. So it's just incredible to see how how just even if it's not running, if, you, if it opens your door for missions, but running can open the doors for so many different walks of life and so many different people that just on things that they want to do later on in life. And it's great to hear a story like that, especially. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I can, I mean. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I feel like I can relate to that. Um, maybe I, I have not, I haven't went professional or anything, but like we were saying earlier, we grew up in a big family and like, I just grew up running track my entire life. And like, it's led me to, you know, this podcast with, with my brother to talk to all these amazing people, like, it's led me to like getting a job at, at Hoka and like, and, and, you know, I always thought I was going to be like some huge professional, you know, but it's just like crazy where it can really just like take you and you're not going to know what, you don't know what it's going to look like, but it can take you somewhere. You really do like commit to it. So it's awesome to hear that, hear that from both of you. But we also wanted to ask just like, how did you guys, how did you two meet? How did this love story begin? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun story to tell, you know. Um, so, you know, everyone knew who Sarah was in California when we were coming up through high school. And so I was, you know, a fan, knew about her, seen pictures of her, thought she was pretty cute, like most guys I'm sure did, you know. And uh, and so I, my mom kind of knew, like I kind of had like a little thing for her, a little crush, a little crush from distance, you know. 
And uh, one day uh, came down, she came downstairs after checking our email, like email internet was like just getting going in these days, you know, it was like, like 2000. Yeah. And uh, she's like, Hey, there's an email from Sarah Bay uh, on the computer for you. And I was like, mom, stop messing with me. Like, you know, yeah, whatever. Ha ha. Super <laughs> fun. She like to mess with me sometimes, you know? And then uh, she's like, no, seriously, there's an email. And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. So I tried to play cool and not like run up there right away and check it you know and so i waited like five minutes till my mom left the room and i like ran upstairs and checked it and i remember reading the first line she's like hey my name's sarah bay i go to montgomery high school and i just saw you're a christian and i just want to encourage you with the email so the story behind it was uh you know, we both ran at the state meet our senior year in cross country I ran earlier in the day because uh, I was a different division than Sarah. And some kids came up to me after I won my race and they asked for my autograph. And I always put a Bible verse under my name. So I saw my name, wrote a Bible verse under there. And then fast forward later in the day, Sarah runs a race, wins it. Same kids come up with the same piece of paper and ask for an autograph. And she saw my name on there with the Bible verse. And she's like, oh, cool. This guy's a good runner. He's a Christian. So then she just like got my email from a mutual friend and just email just to like encourage me in my faith and in my running and just to be nice, you know. And then we uh, went on to meet the next week at Foot Locker, which we have different memories of what that moment was like. Uh, I'll let Sarah tell her side of it, and you can just go with that. I, I disagree, though. This time. <laughs> Sarah was shooting her shot. <laughs> well, yeah, we had a mutual friend that that introduced us, and uh, he. It was right after Ryan. I think you were fourth. Yeah, at like the Western Regional, and definitely wanted to win the race. And so it was like pretty soon after that, and like I just remember him like ripping his bib off the front of his thing and crumpling it up and like throwing it on the ground like just like minutes before we met <laughs> and i was like "Ooh, this guy's uh-huh. not a very good sport but, <laughs> uh, but yeah but then we both went on the locker in orlando and and uh, ryan was pretty quiet so we didn't really talk that much there but we both ended up going to stanford independently although i did commit first so <laughs> who knows if it was independent decision or not but uh-huh. um, <laughs> Yeah, so Sarah, do you are you telling us that Ryan was nervous? I don't know. I, I was definitely nervous at times. Yeah. <laughs> I like I never even had a girlfriend. Like that. So um, you know, I was definitely inexperienced and yeah. in an introverted. For yes, sure. an introverted for sure. Yeah, but yeah, we we started dating like first week of freshman year, and uh, we dated all four years at Stanford, and then got married three months after we graduated Stanford. So it's been, it'll be 15 years uh, this September. Yeah. Congratulations. My question is just why has no movie studio bought the syndication rights or something? Like why is there not a movie based off of this right now? (laughs) It's still being written. What's going going on? (laughs) Yeah. The climax is yet to happen. happen. And so, so you guys met and you guys met in high school and you guys ended up both going to Stanford. Like, how was that, how was that experience just being together on the team? And like, that's where your guys' relationship really developed in college, it sounds like. Yeah, it was. Um, it, we, I think it was kind of just meant to be. Like, actually, uh, I felt like I had heard from God that we were going to get married like before even getting to campus. And that was kind of interesting because like, I didn't know Ryan very well. And like, I wasn't like ridiculously attracted to him or something where it was like, 
like that was it could be confused with that you know like it was i i just spoken to him very mm-hmm. few but it was just one of those moments where you kind of like know something so i definitely like had my eye on him as as college started and then our freshman dorms were right next to each other and so we ended up freshmen can't have cars their first year at stanford and so we ended up walking together a lot of places like checking out the different christian ministries on campus and and it was a lot of those long walks like if we wanted to like go out to dinner or something we had to like walk a couple miles to the like the downtown area and um that we we really got to know each other and uh yeah, it was uh, it was definitely like meant to be like very linear, and, and it just felt like God's hand in it from the beginning. How yeah, how did like your guys's your faith as well? Like how did that intertwine with the with the relationship? How did you guys like grow grow together during that time in college? And like going through yeah. the trials of just you know like when you're going through college, there's a lot going on just in general. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, going to Stanford, that's, you know, a liberal school and stuff like um, just become super, super important who like your inner circle is. Right. Like the stuff you're hearing in the classroom is not super supportive of, um, you know, Christian beliefs and worldview and stuff. So um, it was it was really, I think, helpful for Sarah and I to have each other as like really close, like inner circle people that shared similar view of the world, similar beliefs. And, uh, and we got to, you know, create bigger inner circles with different campus ministries. Um, we had some really amazing, like, um, student sport ministries at Stanford and um, people that just kind of helped shape us at Stanford. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun to be going on a similar journey in our face, I think, as, as Christians, you know, and it's, it's always evolving and growing and changing. And, um, but it's fun to just like share what we're both learning and encourage each other in that area. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a powerful way for us to connect as a couple for sure. Yeah. And Ryan really went through like a hard time at Stanford with, he actually left school for a quarter, like in the freshman year in the winter sophomore year. or sophomore year in the winter you dealt with a lot of injuries and like depression and and so it was really our mm-hmm. yeah like our faith through that time I think really like kept us like together even at times where maybe things weren't fun you know and um and it's kind of good to see your future spouse like go through those kind of things too and like not just have it be like when, when it's like fun and there's no responsibility and stuff, you're not really like always seeing the true person and the true character there, you know? And so, uh, so it ended up being, yeah, kind of a pivotal part for us. And as I feel like this podcast already has been a lot about you guys' faith, I want to dive like a little bit deeper into it. Cause it seems like when you guys were, when you were basically kids in high school, you guys like were already outward and like, really like bold about your faith. Like Ryan saying, every single time you did an autograph to sign a Bible verse under it, that's something, a very bold thing for a Christian to do. I feel like, I I feel like definitely in high school, especially, but just how was faith really talked about in your home? Like how was, how did that get instilled in you at such a young age to where you guys seem like such strong believers now? 
Yeah, I know, like, for me, like, I mentioned my dad just being a really strong leader. And, uh, you know, I remember from the time I was a little kid, we'd have family devotionals and we're going to church and part of our youth group and stuff like that. Um, But really, things got really real for my faith, like, through running, like, encountering God. Like, I was talking about, he's, like, the reason why I got into running. And so, like, my faith and my running have just always Mm -hmm. been so connected that really the only way for me to not talk about my faith is if I'm being totally... Uh, unauthentic with people and that's kind of my thing with my faith is you know I don't I don't hide it but also I don't you know try and work it into the conversation like it's just it's just a part of me it's a part of my running it's a part of everything I do and you know when it when it's an answer to a question like I, I I include it you know I'm not I'm not gonna find a way to talk about it you know work around it not not talk about God because I I don't want to um so it's just to me it's just about uh, obligation as being you know, whatever like a sports figure role model to 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 my audience to kids who are looking up to us to um, just be real with people and just share like what's going on in my head and heart and so that's that's kind of my approach with my faith is like I'm just going to be totally honest with people and if God's part of the, the answer then I'm going to talk about it mm-hmm. and what about for you Sarah yeah very similarly I think um, you know it's hard like because obviously like religion is kind of a polarizing topic and we don't really consider ourselves like religious people. Like we're more spiritual and it's about like a relationship with God and not necessarily like one religion. And, um, and it's not our job to try Mm -hmm. to like convince anyone to be a part of a religion or anything like that. Um, and, but sometimes people can like feel like that's what you're doing, you know? And like, it's not, it's, it's a lot easier to be more, um, just like say the, the more traditional things and like kind of keep that to yourself and stuff. But, uh, but like Ryan said, I think I've always tried to be authentic to who I am. And I think that's what the world needs is like people really being like fully themselves, like the best version of themselves, you know, and that's how we can really learn from each other and and their experiences. Um, for me, like I grew up in, um, yeah, going to church and, um, and my parents were, were Christians and, and I'm really thankful for that foundation of faith that um, I feel like kept me on a path that was was really beneficial in my life in so many ways um, when I could have like taken a, a different path and that was more destructive. And um, and I think, it, you know, my faith is evolved from what I was raised with. Like, um, I definitely like mm. I definitely hungered for more experiences with God and just knew there was like more to the spiritual realm than like I was experiencing. And, uh, and I, it was really being in mammoth in this tiny town in the mountains that, um, and really, really struggling through my running actually that, uh, I really got to the point of just being really desperate for God and to show up in my life. And, uh, and it was during that time that like his love really like became real to me because I was feeling, I was, my performances were not going very well. I felt like I was letting everyone down and I really needed his like unconditional love to invade my life at that time. And um, yeah, just some really amazing experiences. Like even had a running injury completely healed uh, through prayer and different things. And um, so it's been, it's been cool Mm -hmm. to just like make it my, the faith, my own too. Like it looks different than my parents, you know, and what I grew up with, but um it's like it's the journey that I've been on with God, really. Yeah, and I like what you guys just said too, like um, about being 
authentic. I mean, and that's 100% what we're trying to do with this podcast. Whenever we bring anyone on, is to be 100% authentic and really share people's like real stories and who they are as people. And yeah, your faith is a part of that. I mean, me and Joshua are both believers as well. And if it comes up, you know, it's just a part of who you are. It's not anything that we're trying to force and it may turn some people off. It's just, it's the same as on our podcast is two black runners. And sometimes we talk about like race and social issues. It's not forced. It's, it's just mm-hmm. authentic. It's just, it's just what we're talking about. It's just a part of us. So it's something that just comes up. Um, I was reading something too about you, Sarah, and you were talking about the reasons why you run. And one of them was to say, we said to partner with God on something. Can you kind of like expand on that statement and explain that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I see my running. I I heard a really cool analogy once where it's like, obviously these, these races we do and stuff like in the grand scheme of eternity, like they don't matter all that much. Right. Like, but it's kind of like building a sandcastle, like with God, where it's like the process is really fun of like building the sandcastle and like, and you know, it's just going to get knocked down by the waves like later that day or the next day, you know, but it doesn't make it any less like meaningful and like fun, the process, you know? And, and that's kind of like when I'm crafting a marathon or something, like I see it as like, yeah, like, you know, you you do a ton of races in your career and, and like, you know, there's in the grand scheme of, of eternity, it's not like the end of the world if this race doesn't go well or, or goes really well, but it's more about like the journey that you're, you're on with God in the process of like believing for something and like, what is it building in you in the process? And, um, you know, for me, the trials, like I knew that was going to be a really hard course for me, but like the whole process of getting to the point where I, I towed that line, believing it was going to be to my advantage and that I put in all this training specifically for that. And, and that whole journey of getting to the starting line was like such a beautiful, meaningful time too. And, and I think like, I see God as being on in that journey right with me, you know, and it's, it's not always like he's giving me supernatural strength or an edge over my competitors or something like that. But it's like, he's encouraging me. He's giving me strategy, like with my training or, and, um, and, you know, honestly, like I would have been really discouraged and quit the sport a long time ago if, if Ryan hadn't continued to believe in me and God always, um, just whispered to me that there was more there and like, just wouldn't let me give up at times I, that it just seemed to make more sense to walk away from the sport. So I, I really feel like my whole career has kind of been this adventure with God of like where we can take this, you know? Yeah. And, and it's definitely like something too. Um, it's more, sometimes it's more of a, like a inward, a inward change of heart that you feel like he's doing something inside of you more so than like performative, like there's something going to happen on the outside but also on top of that, I wanted to ask Ryan too, it became a big deal at the height of your career when you came out and you were like, I'm being, you're like, I'm coached by God now. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Cause there was so much heat when you said that. And like, I remember for me, like I grew up, I'm 25. So like when you were like 2012, you know, I'm like a senior. So I'm like seeing, I remember seeing all this stuff and you were like, you're always a Christian runner. So I'm always like, always, always watching you and everything. And like, when you said that, I thought it was awesome. I was like, I mean, God, like, 
already coaches his, is his life coach. So like, why can't he be his, why can't he be his track and, and marathon coach? But could you talk a little bit on that too? Yeah, totally. I mean, really where that decision mainly came from is just like wanting to be desperate for God for something, you know, it's like, I was already so comfortable, like with life, with running, like we were training in Mammoth Lakes, everything was going great. I was going through a little bit of a rocky time with my coach, I'll be honest about that. And a, a rocky time with my running where I had to drop out of the Chicago marathon. But really, like mainly the decision was just coming from this place being like, man, I just want to be closer to God. I want to hear his voice. Like you hear stories about people having these very intimate connections with God. You hear stories about people who, you know, like people who are poor and they don't have any food and they're just crying out to God for their next meal. And, you know, like, obviously I want everyone in the world to have food and to be well taken care of. Like, I don't wish that on anyone, but I do, I envy their part of like, like really desperately going after God and needing him to show up. And so that was what I was trying to do is just create a situation where I was desperate for God in that same way. And, you know, I'm a pretty private person in general, and I would have loved for that to just be a private decision and a private thing that me and God were going after. And, uh, but, you know, as like the fastest marathoner in America at the time, that, that became a very public decision, you know? So I just had to like stay off of like message boards and reading articles about myself and just, just stay away from all that. And it was really a beautiful journey, you know, like the 41st day does a good job of kind of following that journey. But, um, you know, I ran the fastest marathon that's ever been run by an American, um, right after I made that decision, you know, and it, I could talk so much about like what that experience was like and the things that God taught me in that season. And it wasn't perfect, you know, like trying to hear God's voice is like trying to learn a new language. Like you got to just fumble around with it for yeah. a while. You can get it wrong for a long time before you get it right. You know? So, um, I'm still trying to learn to discern God's voice and hear him, but, um, placing myself in a position where I was desperate to hear God. I'll never regret doing that. I don't think anyone would ever regret doing that because um, when you have a connection with God, like there's nothing sweeter in life than that. So um, it was a really amazing season. And like I said, the results were good, but really um, I feel like God just kind of like walked me through the transition of uh, the end of the season of me running. And um, I would have, been it would have been a whole different experience like that last four years from london until the point when i was retired um, i probably would have gotten into some serious depression and gone through a really really um deep dark place if it wasn't for having god as my coach because what he was doing is he's god is all about our heart right like uh, i go to him and i'm like god what workout should i do today and what I feel like he's telling me is like, it doesn't matter what workout I tell you today. It depend What I care about is the heart in which you do the workout, right? So like, I'm always concerned about like the external, the nuts and bolts of the workout, like, like the results, the performances. Yeah. And God's like, no, no, no. Like, like I want your heart and I want you to do this workout with the right heart. And so I was really focused on that during that time. And he was really refining my heart and getting it in a better place. And um, I believe that when our heart is in the right, right place and right relation with God, it brings out optimal performance results as well. But that's not the reason why to do it. Like the reason why to do it is because it's so amazing to live a life like with a heart like God calls us to have. Um, so, you know, I, I learned so much through that time. I'm so grateful for that time. And also, too, one thing that I think is important to share with listeners about having God as my coach is, you know, I was picturing that being like, 
like it's just me and God and like I'm become like a running monk, you know, it's just me and him. But really like what happened was yeah. as soon as I stepped away from my team, he surrounded me with just like all these amazing people with amazing knowledge, um, people that were friends or friends of friends that I was being surrounded with. They were specialists, um, whether it's, you know, they're doing body work on me or nutritionists. Um, I was just surrounded with a team of greatness. And so I think God, you know, is not, at least in my experience, he he's better experienced in community than on my own. And that was a huge kind of mm -hmm. takeaway lesson for me, a life lesson during that season. And yeah, just so grateful that, that I got to experience that. And also too, I think he set me up for that too. You know, like I don't think, like now I do personal online coaching, right? So I obviously like believe in coaching and having coaches. I coach Sarah and you need someone like, who is outside of you and getting that upper level perspective. Um, so, so important to be a yeah. successful athlete or just a successful person in life in general is having someone that you can consult with that's seeing things from outside of your own body. Um, so obviously I believe in the coaching method, but in my situation, like I had sat under so many great coaches already that led me up to that point in my career where God had really like taught me so much through people that I had already done running in life with that I was in a very good place to kind of launch into this kind of season of having God as my coach. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful season of life. And I'm so, so grateful that um, I took a big risk and made a big change and um, yeah, just grateful for that season. What I really like what you just said is the fact that like you would think when someone says like to be I'm coached by God that they would be assuming I feel like a lot of people would assume like oh this person's trying to be like perfect you understand but like when you said you were coached by God it was nothing like close to being perfect you still face trials and you still face tribulations and that's one thing like with God and having a relationship with him like there's still you're still going to hit rough patches it's definitely not going to be smooth sailing and that's the same thing in running like what people always say running's all about delayed gratification like you ain't gonna go out and run 16 miles on monday come back the next day and then run your fastest mile ever like that's just not what that's not what's gonna happen it's gonna take two three weeks for that train that you did on that 16 mile day they they're really getting your legs so i really feel like that was a much needed statement like for definitely Christians that are in the running community, but just in the community as a whole. And I'm really glad that you're able to do that. But then like the transition to like, you guys both have like very like, you guys had like callings from like God and like you guys were able to hear from God in your type of way. Like what was the feeling on, of, of trying to like want to adopt when uh, when you guys were, Sarah was still in her career, like that's a lot of thing to manage at that time. like. What was like the calling and the hearing from God to like, I want to go out and to adopt for children? Yeah, um, adopting internationally is something that I kind of always pictured myself doing from a young age, which is kind of unusual. But um, I had some aunts that had adopted. So adoption was just kind of normal to me. Um, and I had always wanted to, like I said, like I had a heart for people living in extreme poverty and obviously that's not like the solution but there is an orphan crisis going on in a lot of countries especially Africa with HIV AIDS and and so many issues that lead to people being orphaned I think in Ethiopia there's like four to five million orphans just in that country and and so um wow. so that was kind of that country was kind of highlighted to us 
mainly because it was um we felt a connection there with like the running community and then um and it was one of the like best programs at the time and we went there to train and we just like fell in love with the culture like it's really unique place um it's only african country that was never colonized and so they really retained a lot of their um distinct like 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 written language and or and uh like heritage and food and everything like it's like really goes back to like bible times and stuff and um and we we just loved the country and and so we decided to dot from there and we thought we would just start with a baby um because we uh we were just new parents and then um it was through spending time over there running that god actually opened up our hearts because we'd spent time in an orphanage and and we were like man we would adopt any of these older kids like and older is like 3 year older um is is considered like an older child and and their likelihood of being adopted is a lot less and we were like man all these kids are amazing like uh we almost like the like the thought of adopting an older child cuz it's like the they're like uh retain a lot of their ethiopianness you know like it's like they're not just if if you take a baby kind of out of that culture and stuff they're not going to retain the culture as much as as mm. someone that's grown up in it and and so and we love ethiopian culture so um so that was part of the thought process but it was it was hearing about our four kids that had been waiting for a home for 3 years and and Ryan was had a little more faith than I did at first he was like let's do it and uh i was kind of like well this is going to be a lot like taking on like for older kids like two teenagers and um and so it it definitely was a process of just like saying yes to love and no to fear because you know there's definitely fear like i i talked to a lot of families that adopted older kids and from Ethiopia and they had a really hard adjustment like the kids the kids had a really hard adjustment and like becoming a family was really difficult and so we we kind of went into it like thinking like that's probably going to be our story too cuz that's like everyone's story that we've heard you know and um and so we were really kind of braced for a difficult road but we were kind of like just trusting god that he would give us the grace to handle whatever we faced but as it was as it turns out our kids adjusted really beautifully and like um it's a good example of just like um yeah when you say yes like we couldn't think of any reason not to do it that wasn't a fear-based decision you know and so it was really like choosing love mm-hmm. and instead of fear in that case yeah there's so much i could i i could say um about just like you guys's life life in general i could start preaching on this <laughs> i give a whole sermon on this on Preach. this podcast but i <laughs> i just wanted to mention what's really what's really awesome is like i'm reading this book right now the circle maker mark batterson anybody you guys should read it it's about prayer but one of the big things i really grasp from it and like i see it a lot in your life Brian and how what you just described um there in adopting these children is like having when you pray these big prayers and you have vision beyond your resources god is going to provide provision and like Brian you you touched on it when you said you wanted to make god your coach and you imagined it as just like at first just you know you being a monk with god but he provided all these people around you to help you and you had some of the best races of your career after that and like on top of that like god love 
God loves bold prayers, especially prayers when if you're not willing to risk your reputation for God, what is he going to do? Because the bigger and bolder the prayer, the more glory it brings to him when, when it, when it, when it happens. So it's just, it's just that it's just awesome to hear that. And the same thing, like you said, with like getting the, getting the girls, you weren't sure. You're like, is this too much? Is this too crazy? But you know, God, God provided and, and you love, you love all of your kids and it's been an awesome experience. So I just I had to I had to get that out because like I was like man man this is awesome, but on top of that too we wanted to talk like with the current climate we know all these things going on with the George Floyd the protests like what are some of those challenges that have been brought upon you like raising black children in America especially during these times? Yeah, um, you know that's something we definitely thought a lot about like just realizing we were going to be a um, like interracial family and like wanting to be prepared for that and stuff. And, um, you know, honestly, uh, thankfully they, our kids haven't experienced any overt racism that they or we have realized. Um, so we're thankful for that. And they've been really embraced like everywhere we've lived and like in all the communities we've lived in. And, um, but I think, even still, like, I think especially right now, it's a process of Ryan and I really, like, waking up to a lot of stuff we didn't know that I feel like we should have been, like, taught in school, you know, about, like, systemic racism and what yeah. that's looked like throughout history in the U.S. And, um, you know, I think for us, like, how we grew up, it was, like, a no-brainer that all races are equal and, like, you know, com- like, no racism in our upbringing. But, like, as far as actually being anti-racist and what that looks like and like how to be an ally even for our kids and like how to like make sure these systems aren't affecting them and that's something I think we're like learning right now um and I feel really grateful for the conversations that are happening and and you guys even um starting some of those conversations and um because I feel like we have a lot to learn still and it's definitely created some good conversation with our kids but I think even more like going forward like continuing to like as they maybe realize um like even subtle ways racism they experience that in their life and just being able to like dialogue with them about that and like how does it especially like as like what's the brianna taylor like just how does it feel to be how does it feel to be a be a parent in these times of of children of color yeah i mean it's definitely i think like Ahmad Aubrey like was a huge wake up call where you're like man like in the middle of like mm-hmm. the morning or like it was like broad daylight you know something like that could happen but yeah and, and it's not just you know it, it is like seems disproportionately boys affected but with Breonna Taylor it's like can be women and girls too and like um that that is like kind of alarming and um and so I've definitely communicated these stories to them just so they're like careful as well and and not wanting them to like live in fear right it's kind of a balance of like not like but just like having to be aware that that is like the reality and especially like depending on where you are you know and um so yeah it it is as a mom you you know especially launching a kid off to college and stuff you think about all that stuff and um and you do have like worry moments but try not to be really fear based just as I was talking about with fear versus love you know 
but um but but wisdom i guess would be the right word like trying to be wise and teach your kids to be wise i think that's a really good point because we just did we did a podcast with someone we were on someone else's podcast and they asked us like a similar question about like ahmaud aubrey and now when we go out to run like are we more vigilant or is like is there fear into that and i explained to the way like running is like my escape when i go on an eight nine mile run wherever i'm at like if i do see some type of signal that may be all like this could possibly like i could possibly in, in danger it's not really a full thought that you even think about because i'm in the middle of this eight mile run like this is my one escape it's like watching a long movie at this at some point it's escapism that i use in that way so yeah i feel like it's very important to like have those type of conversations and be and understand that as a person of color. And I'm just curious, like when when you guys were younger, like how how was the conversation of race? If there was like a conversation of race when you're younger, and what was what do you feel like is the biggest difference now with uh, your children? I think uh, you know, like for me, it was just like a lot of what we're taught in school, right? Like education. And uh, I think now, like the big shift, at least for myself, like it's been super helpful just to have conversations with other, like our, our friends who are adults who are black and like really try to like understand like, yeah, what situations yeah. they've been in, what cities have they been in that have been like scary situations and like just try to get a better understanding of like, yeah, what, it, what it's like to be a person of color and like what to be aware of as a parent of children who are persons of color and like so we can prep our kids on that because, you know, like it, it was very easy for me as a kid to just like not see race at all. And you're just like, oh, like, you know, there's there's no problem, but it's because like I'm like a white kid growing up in a white city, you know, so like just very, I'd say I was like kind of unaware, but not like intentionally unaware is just like, you know, you just learn what you learn in school and you're just a kid kind of going through life. And now I think, you know, with what's been going down this last year, it's like really been a, a process of like really trying to understand like what is going on in our country when it comes to issues of race and and being able to prep our kids wisely on like, you know, they're, they're going to be sent out into the world and I don't want to send them out unprepared for, you know, whatever situation they're going to find mm-hmm. they're in in whatever city in America they're going to land in. So um, I think now it's just like, it's really like for me just been a step to like, like kind of wake up to it. Like it's been a huge wake up call being like, okay, like, like there's stuff going down and like, I need to be aware of it. I need to prepare my kids for that. And to me, like the education now is coming through, like, you know, Sarah's done a really good job of digging into like a lot of different podcasts and like videos they've come up and shared those with me and my family. And it's been very like eye opening to me to be able to like, trace what's been going on since the time that slavery ended and the big disadvantage it's put you know people of color to to this day you know so um yeah been a big kind of wake-up call for me personally and one you know i'll continue to try and educate myself on and try to just just open my eyes to see and ears to hear you know jesus talks about that all the time and i feel like this is an opportunity for me to get to do that personally like i need to have eyes to see and ears to hear because they were they were closed for a while there you know it's like there's a wake-up call for me personally yeah yeah and i think too like what's interesting because i feel like in general even like even like a black kid like you're just a kid so like a lot of stuff could happen and like you don't even really know what's going on like of course i mean yeah if you have like 
like parents, they might talk to you about it a little bit more or like they've experienced, they'll bring it up, but they're still like, I feel like a lot of black kids in general, like they don't even, it's like, as you get older, you like kind of start to realize some things that happened to you in hindsight that, that weren't right, that were weird. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's just definitely, definitely like a challenge, I would say to in this time it's just something you got to be thinking about you know but like joshua was saying too about like the fear thing rain and fear a part of the reason why on that podcast too when she asked us like oh are you guys like scared when you go on run and and like a part of us not being scared is also you know like we were raised in a christian household and we were afraid not to have a spirit we were raised to not have a spirit of fear you know yeah. but you do have to be just aware of the of the things that are going on um, but also, Ryan, I wanted to ask, like, how is it for you, you know, like, we hear the term, like, you're being like, you're like a girl dad. Like, did you have sisters growing up or you only have brothers? <laughs> I had one sister. So, yeah, girls is kind of new to me. And three brothers, he yeah, didn't mention. Yeah, three brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, but yeah, especially being like a girl dad now and like the, the recent wake of, well, rest in peace to like the Kobe really starting, like, that movement and then now seeing you you're coaching your girls too and then coaching uh sarah oh, yeah. like how was that how has that experience been and how have you found like a new love of running per se if, if you have found one yeah oh it's super fun i mean i live kind of vicariously through sarah's running and through my girls running um man i wish like you guys could see me at the state meet in cross country when i'm cheering for my girls like we're running all over the course <laughs> and going crazy it, it feels like i'm out there right like it, and I didn't realize yeah. like how emotional it can be because I've watched Sarah run a bunch of times, but there's been times when I'm watching Hannah run that like I'm like tearing up watching her run, you know, like just so proud of her. And wow. it's such a, a crazy experience as a dad to like watch your kids um, out there and compete. And it's it's kind of a picture of uh, it helps me understand how God sees us when he watches us run, you know, because um like I, I could care less like how fast they run or what place they are. Like I'm, I just want them to be happy. Right. And so I think about that now when I'm out doing my thing and I'm not doing a whole lot of running anymore, but you know, when God is, he's always like with us, he's always watching us and just like how proud he is and how he doesn't care like what our performance is, you know? So sometimes we're out there running, we're beating ourselves up because we're having a bad race or a bad workout or whatever. And like, man, God is just like so proud of us in those moments. And I'm proud of my kids when they're able to mm -hmm. push through those moments, you know? So it's helped me kind of like the whole, even the whole adoption process helped me understand like God's heart for us as a father, you know, it's like adoption, you know, is what it's talked about in the Bible. Like we're all adopted children of God, you know, and now having gone through the adoption process, they call it being like paper pregnant in adoption. So it's just, you just go through like a mountain of paperwork. Right. And that's for one child mm. usually. So like I was like, the paperwork yeah. guy like i was all over the paperwork and so for four kids like i have files upon files upon files of paperwork back in my house you know and i was i was just ripping through that paperwork i would jump through one hoop and as soon as they clear me for the second hoop i jumped through that hoop and so like i was just on it because i was like man every day that i'm not doing this paperwork is one more day my kids are spending in the orphanage you know and then also like with adoption like mm -hmm. there's a high price you paid like a like a financial price that like you are paying so that this process of adoption can go through, you know, and to have your kids stay in orphanage, all of that. And like, that's the same thing God does with us. Like he goes after us aggressively pursues us 
it's it's more like adoption in that sense in that it's like a, a choosing to go after someone rather than a like you know having fun with your wife and then accidentally oops out pops out a kid you know it's like a it's like a real aggressive <laughs> yeah act. Like, i'm going after you and that's like how god goes after each uh-huh. one of us so man there's been so much so many of those moments as a dad of girls that has helped me kind of like understand just a little bit better like how god's heart is towards us I just can't wait to have like kids and then like you like you're at the state cross country meet to be at the basketball game, football game, or hopefully cross country meet because seeing my dad like cheer me on, people on my team would be like, bro, your dad's a ninja. Like on the Mount Sac <laughs> course, he would literally he would be at switchbacks, then all of a sudden he's at the top of poop out. I'm like, bro, you do, you do not move this fast. Like, how is this possible? That's so great. I can't wait for those moments as well. Yeah, it is super. <laughs> Fun. You know, dude, cheering is honestly cross. That's what makes the cross country super fun. Is is uh, spectating cross country, running from like yeah hill to hill, getting through all these people. Like that's it's a super fun spectator sport. It's definitely fun. But also, yeah. Sarah I wanted to ask you, like, how is it? Yeah, being being a mom in this era where we're starting to see. I mean, there's still tons of problems, but you know, like women empowerment is just getting bigger and, and, and bigger and bigger. What are some of the things that you're trying to instill into your daughters? Yeah, it's it's been interesting because, like, I never thought I would want to do this career still while being a mom. Um, you know, both Ryan and my mm-hmm. mom uh, didn't work, and my mom really instilled in me that, like, that was, like, the best path to, you know, and best for your kids. And um, But – once we adopted them, like I still had a lot of passion for the sport and was just starting like my first marathon. Well, actually it was my second, but it was like really my first was like a couple weeks after they came home to the U S and, uh, I was really loving like that journey of like starting the marathon. And so I just kept, kept going and trying to like check in with everyone, like, and see if like, it was like, if everyone was good and good with me doing it. And, um, and it's been neat because as a result of actually doing it with them, I feel like I'm able to like model so many things to them, like through my actions. And like, I think actions, like having like your kids are going to learn so much more from you, from watching you than from what you say to them and try to like teach them, you know? And, uh, I get to show them like every day, like, you know, picking myself back up after massive disappointments and like still, like believing again and hoping again and going after the next hard thing and doing hard things every day. And like what it's like to just like dig in and like be gritty and, um, and, and to have something that really makes you come alive. You know, I think that's my greatest hope for all of them is like that they would find something that makes them come alive. And we're like, they're using the gifts God's given them and like to make a positive impact on the world and, and people around them. And, and so for, for them, I get to show them the gift of, of me having that and like have them have something to aspire to that way. And maybe it's running. Like our oldest is really like taken to running and Mia, our second oldest too. And, um, but maybe not, but like, you know, just finding what that thing is. And so, um, so yeah, running has been the most empowering thing in my life for sure. And I think, um, I, I think having them see me, be so empowered through it is powerful as well as Ryan really empowering me in it, you know, and, and like not being afraid to be like, 
yeah, I'm going to like support you in your career during this stage. And like, he has his things he's doing too. And he started a running business and stuff, but he's not like, he's not like you need to, this is a woman's role to do this. You know, like he's, he's always really supported mm -hmm. my career. Even when I was really struggling, like he never, never was like, all right, it's time to hang it up and like start a family or whatever. Like that was, that's never been how he's acted. So I, I get, I'm glad that they get to see that too, that, that's the kind of man that they should marry, you know, someone that's empowering to their dreams. Exactly. I was actually, I was thinking, I was thinking that 100% too, but like, even like, I would say for our mom, our mom works. I mean, I don't think Joshua has ever seen our mom when she didn't work, but my, our mom worked in like, I mean, I guess I learned a lot from my dad, but I learned a lot um, from my mom too about like, working hard and, and battling um, just like frustrations and making it through. So like, yeah, women, women can have a career and have four kids. Yes. I want yeah. four kids and she has a master's degree and she just lost <laughs> like 30 pounds. Like yeah. she a beast. That's all I'm saying. She a beast. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. And she a boss at her job. She a manager at her job. So like, you know, you can, you can do it. So I think it's awesome that you're, you're teaching uh, your, your girls that. What were you going to say, Joshua? Oh, I was just wondering, too, like your girls were running with you at that time trial and Eugene. Like, how was that feeling to see, like, to be, like, you weren't, like, in the same, you guys were, like, in the same race, but they, they were behind you. But, like, what just, just describe that feeling for us, because that has to just be, like, completely awesome for the both of you. Yeah, it's fun to... um actually toe the line together that really rarely happens but um it's it was cool to just uh to see them really exceed mine and their expectations out there too like you know obviously they have mm. they've only run one half marathon kind of for fun but to run like low six minute pace out there um was really impressive so so yeah it's been yeah. really fun to that's another part of doing this like i get to actually run with them and like conversation, you know, is, is so great on a run versus like sometimes, you know, outside of running. And, um, and so just getting to like share that journey with them has been really special. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was, it's fun to like, uh, I feel like they have more of an appreciation for what I do too, as they do it themselves. And like, and so now bringing them yeah. to races, things like we try to find, like, if there's a, a 5k at the same, like the weekend of the marathon and they'll do the 5k or something like that. And we can all kind of partake together. Ryan, do you think you're going to be, do you think you can hang with that, that pace in that half marathon with the, with your two <laughs> daughters back there? Or is, um, is, are those days ever over completely? Yeah. Those, those days. Well, tell them about your three mile run today. Well, yeah. So I've, I've only run five times this year, so I'm not running a whole lot. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah, today I ran three miles at like, you know, six minute pace. And so, and it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't even really that hard. Like you I still got it. I, but I don't know if you I do a half got it. I, I'm like, I'm running like 175 <laughs> pounds right now and I raced it 137 pounds. So like, imagine like, you know, throwing a 40 pound weight vest on and going for a run. It's, it's a totally yeah. different experience. <laughs> it's not super fun. I prefer the bike. I try not to run uh, as much as possible. <laughs> But his speed is better. He's got more power now. Yeah. Yeah. Since I got into lifting, it's been fun to kind of transform my body a little bit and get stronger. And um, I definitely have way more pop in my legs now than I've ever had before. 
what went into that decision and like now i mean what's the wing 175 i mean is it time to get that mlb career started <laughs> maybe I, i'm more of a body for it now for sure but uh, i think age is not working in my, my uh, advantage right now but yeah you know it was just like a fun uh, i love to challenge myself physically you know but my body just like wasn't having it anymore with the running and so it was a way for me to stay true to who i am you know i think that's really important when we transition from one season to the other is that we stay true to like who we are and to our own needs as well for me like physical exercise physically challenging myself just a very real physical need that i have so um you know weightlifting is kind of i give myself like an hour hour and a half to um, be selfish during that time and focus on my workout and i feel great afterwards you know weightlifting is really anabolic activity and uh my body feels mm -hmm. way better my energy is way better i'm a better dad for it i'm a better coach a better husband and uh it adds so much to my life you know so it's been a super super fun kind of hobby for me and, you know i don't have any aspirations of doing any competitions or anything like that like i don't have the genetics to be you know a power lifter or a bodybuilder or anything like that but it's kind of fun too to see like someone who doesn't have the genetics for something because obviously i did have the genetics to run marathons so someone who has the completely wrong genetics like how big and strong can they get and uh it's just been kind of a fun little experiment to conduct on myself and go after and Sarah, I'm really curious, like when he first like really decided, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on this. Did you did you have faith in him? Did you believe that he could do this? Was this something like, oh, yeah, you, you're, you're going to kill it. You're going to kill it. Or was it like, I don't know about it. I don't know about this one. Right. Um, I didn't really know what the goal was. Like, I knew he was like, like I was saying, like the pendulum swung to the weightlifting. And that didn't surprise me because like whatever Ryan does, he's going to be like so uber about it. But um. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought he would have been able to transform himself quite as insane. Because especially at the end of his career, he was like really underweight, actually. He was like 120 something pounds and like, and like, and then unhealthy. And so it like, it really did like take a long, well, long, not as long as we thought, but um, yeah, I, I was surprised at the end result for sure. <laughs> Wait, then how tall are you, Ryan? I'm five foot 10. Oh, okay. Oh wow, oh. you're skinny. You're super skinny. You're super yeah. skinny. Yeah, so I didn't wait. <laughs> but who could, who could win? I was gonna ask who could win between you two right now, though, in a hundred meter dash. Oh, I think I think I would beat Sarah. Yeah, I think I think anything <laughs> under two hundred meters, Ryan would win. But maybe Ooh, I think I could take you in three hundred. Three <laughs> hundred. I think a, I 400, a 400? No. Definitely. Like a hill sprint, he would like. Or even a long hill. Yeah, a long hill, long hill even. Because his power going uphill is like really good. Yeah. But yeah, no, if it's over, if it's 400, no. 400 and up, not even close. No. Well, this, this might be a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> Husband person. Hey, I, that would be interesting. Yeah, I'd love to see it. <laughs> then one more thing. This wasn't on the rundown, but it just happened. Joshua Chepta guy just ran twelve thirty five in the five k, and I just just break the world record, the Kayla's world record. So, uh, what's just your initial thoughts on that? Just like twelve thirty. That's in. That's insane. That's insane. That's yeah, crazy. That, that is super that is fast. Wow. That is crazy. Uh, how was that race played out? I assume they had pacemakers and all that. 
I think they had three pacemakers in front of him. And then I want to say 2,000 left, they jumped off the track. And then it was basically just Chep the guy. The guy behind him ran 12.51. And you know how the, in Monaco, yeah. they had the uh, the green like lights. Have you seen those in the inside yeah. of the track? So he was, you could you could tell with like 300, three laps to go, like he was destroying, like not, not destroying, wow. but he was way in front of like the lights. So like it was a pretty like that man's stride is nice. So it's pretty pretty yeah. nice to watch. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, cool. Watch That's thing. it's cool to see like like guys capitalizing like we're talking about on this COVID season, you know? Like you kind of get the impression that oh everyone's just like at home chilling because there's nothing to train for. That's not the case. Obviously, you yeah. know, he's been working super hard cool to see him like capitalize on this time and, and throw down a mark like that. That's that's unreal. Cause that 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 world record is that was not an easy world record to break right there. So that's that's some legit running. That's impressive. No. I thought I'm yeah, I thought I wouldn't see that world record go down, to be honest. And we'll see. I hope he goes after the ten K because that's that's a crazy record now, a record too. And he could probably run like twenty six ten if he has a twelve thirty five PR. Yeah. Yeah, insane. Um, yeah, and it'll be fun to like watch him too but, as he gets a little bit older and moves to the half marathon and marathon. Like a guy with those kind of wheels is a guy who you know could potentially break two hours in a competition in an actual marathon. You know, so man, I'll be I'll have my eyes yeah. on him here going forward. And then with with that said, like this has been a great interview. Like I really do appreciate. It. I think this was one of our best, Aaron. I really do. I really do. I think it was one of our best. A lot of interesting conversation and in-depth conversation, and just like some fun moments. But as we get out to like some closeout questions, before like we, I want, I'm, I'm interested to hear like what you guys are watching or listening to really right now that you would like to like share with the audience. But could you also, Ryan, like talk about your movie star per se? Can you talk about uh, <laughs> the new movie coming out and like where we could get it soon? Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, the 41st day, it's a documentary that a couple guys shot of me um, from 2012 Olympic trials all the way through that Olympics and then uh, the next couple years and really like all the way to my retirement. So um, and it also kind of tells my life story. So yeah, you can find that on iTunes and Amazon. And um, yeah, it just shares my story with the world. And I'm really excited just to, you know, it's, it's a very raw, real story. You know, it's not just like all my successes, like it follows me when I'm going through my hard stuff and through that whole journey of having God as my coach. And you see me kind of struggle through that and trying to hear God's voice. And um, it was actually really cool for me to watch it myself. We had a screening a couple months back in New York and uh, I'd already seen the film, but watching it again, just kind of like really shed some light on like my life and that season of my life. And, you know, there's one, um, well, I don't know, this might be spoiling it, but <laughs> there's this one uh, part of the movie where I really felt like God was like, tell me like at the Olympics, like, like it was me like a golden puzzle that was coming together and uh, everything was going to click. And like, I, you know, interpreted that as like, I was going to run great and have a great race that day, you know? And then that was like, totally not what happened. And that was like yeah. really hard for me to deal with. Um, but you know, as years and years removed and as I was able to watch the film again, I seen like, man, like, really the pieces did come together just in a totally different way than I was expecting it to come together, you know, with adopting our girls and bringing them home and building it. Like he was, he was knitting two families together then. And that was the puzzle that was coming together. Not, not me winning the Olympic gold medal, you know, and for so long, like I kind of missed that 
you know? And I thought like, man, I was hearing wrong. I, I, I thought I was hearing that God was going to say I was going to run super fast and win an Olympic gold medal. And really like, I just like, you know, I've said it before. I didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear like how, what he was really doing. And so it's kind of a unique opportunity for me to get to look back in my life and be like, man, God's so good all the time. And even when we, you know, think we hear him and we hear, we, we don't, see how he's actually working um sometimes he lets us you know watch it on the big screen and go back and realize man god is always good he's always working everything you know for our for our goodness and um yeah really really fun so hopefully people can check out the film and hopefully they they enjoy that aaron already watched, yeah, it. I watched I the last, it out. yeah i watched it last night i gave it five stars and like i had like a experience too where i just like i knew your story a lot i've seen a lot of stuff and just watching all of that and the combination of reading the book I'm reading right now, I was just like, this is crazy. God wanted me to talk to Ryan and Sarah Hall. Like, he set this up. Like, that's crazy. But no, it's a credible story, and I would highly recommend it for anyone to go watch. But sure. And then uh, another question I want to ask before we close out, like, who do you think we should have next on the podcast? We've had a, a lot of guests coming up. This is our 19th episode. But who do you yeah. think should come on the Two Black Runners and tell their story and chop it up with. And I, I love, uh, you know, guys who have been kind of like father figures to me in the sport, uh, Bernard Lagat and uh, Abdi uh, and uh, Meb. Those are, those are kind of like my, my two, my three dads, I feel like in the sport and just amazing <laughs> human beings. They've accomplished amazing things, obviously, but um, those three guys, I just, I just love those guys to death. So any one of those guys, I think would be a phenomenal guest. I don't know if you've had any of those guys on the show already, but they're, they're great dudes. Yeah, no, those are good. <laughs> All have good stories. I would love to have, I would love to have any of those guys. Lagat too, that's like one of my, yeah, that's one of my faves. I, I got to meet him in Atlanta for a second. So like, we're like best friends now. <laughs> but, but one more question though too like Abdi made the olympic team that's crazy yeah he's a gamer and he's good at hills and so even before the race people were like who do you got and stuff and ryan was like i don't know i think Abdi could and his last marathon before that did not go well i don't think so he was not really on people's radar, but yeah. Yeah, and Abdi's just like so feisty. Every time I talk to Abdi, he's like, man, I'm going to te teach these youngsters the lesson. Like he's like always just believing in them, <laughs> like never counting himself out. So I think that's half the battle, right, is you got to believe you yeah. have a chance. And Abdi always, he yeah. thinks he can beat anyone, and he, he can. Yeah. So, yeah, he showed it that day. I was I was so happy when I saw those results. I was like, yeah, Abdi. Like so we're, we're buds. We cross paths all the time. <laughs> such such a good guy so i was stoked for him yeah that, that was insane that was insane but really last one this is the last one question what mark do each one of you want to leave on this like on the sport and on the running world as once it's all over yeah i hope I, I show people that like you can do the sport like in a way that's authentic to you you know, I feel like um, we took a different path. Like we were a part of a team for five years, but like actually like I, I didn't really respond that well to that environment and stuff, even though in so many ways it looked like on paper, like an ideal situation. But we kind of went off and we went to Reading. We moved to Reading for seven years because we felt like that was 
where our faith would thrive. And we wanted to make some decisions based on that instead of always choosing somewhere based on running. And, uh, and so, and then, you know, adopting four kids, like during that process. And there's been so many things that I think like on paper, like not how you're supposed to be doing this, <laughs> but I think like, I hope I can show yeah. people like to you in it, you know, and even how I train, like, um, I like to take risks in training and do different stuff that's outside the box. And I think sometimes people like just do like kind of the traditional way of training or, you know, so just like encouraging people, like whatever, find like what makes you tick and like what the things are that make you come alive and like, don't be afraid, even like, don't compare yourself to other people and how they do it and like lean into like, what's going to make you come alive doing this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like for myself, um, a trap that I got pulled into from the time I got into the sport was just like this comparison trap, you know, in competition, it can be that, right. It can be like, how good are you relative to everyone else? And that was such a shallow, unfulfilling way for me to do athletics. And I did it that way for a long time. And, you know, later on in my career, God really shifted my perspective to it being not how good am I relative to the guy next to me, but how, excellent can I be you know and personal excellence became the goal so um that's that's what I would really like to leave with people is like go after personal excellence um that is so much more fulfilling than comparing yourself to other people and that's how you're gonna enjoy your sport the most and with that being said pretty much thanks you two for coming on the podcast like we said in the beginning like you knew you guys knew why you clicked on this podcast everybody that listening we have American distance royalty we really do appreciate it and then pretty much like the long ones i feel like are always the good ones and i feel like this is a great one aaron do you have anything else you gotta say man i just really enjoy talking to the halls today and i'm happy that they came on i think a lot of people are gonna listen to this and it's gonna you know just give them a lot more insight on sarah and ryan but also i feel like it's something that can help and encourage people and as always, if you listen this far into the podcast, you really are a true homie. And I want to let you guys know, we really do appreciate you guys listening in every week. But thank you, too, for coming on. Really, really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it was our pleasure. See you guys next week on Two Black Tuesday. Yeah.